0: Hello, I'm Julian Bartko, your door-to-door storyteller, and I'd like to give you a story. This story is called The Hunting Party by Christopher Ribold. Long ago in the forest of Neem, there lived a strangely beautiful white deer. She was a shy and solitary creature who lived apart from others of her kind. From time to time, people who ventured into the forest would see the white doe. But only for an instant, for she never failed to dart quickly away as soon as she was spotted. Now the king loved to hunt, and when word of the mysterious white doe reached him, the king ordered his master of the hunt to make ready. The arrows were sharpened, the horses were shod. The wine and provisions were packed. Then, one fine fall morning, the nobles and retainers gathered at the castle gate, and the hunting party set off into the forest of Nîmes to pursue the beautiful white hind. The king and his nobles sat high upon their horses, arrayed in bright green livery, with their wide leather belts, polished goatskin boots, long ash bows, and fine linen quivers. The master of the hunt rode to the right of the king. The master of hounds rode to the left, as his excited dogs whined, paced, and growled. A few highly favored squires and pages trailed discreetly behind, ever ready, with the wineskins, cheese, dried meats, and other sundries that their lords might desire upon the hunt. It was cool and pleasant as the hunting party entered into the greenwood. The sun was shining, but the hunters rode in shade under the leafy forest canopy. The hunters followed a well-worn path as it meandered long and lazy through maple, chestnut, and oak trees. The trees were nearing their peak fall color, and their leaves were a riot of crimson, orange, brown, and gold. The king rode at the head of the party. As the hunters made their way through the forest, they saw an assortment of woodland creatures, rabbits, squirrels, and many colorful birds that nested among the trees. But they saw no sign of their quarry. Until suddenly, there she was. The white doe of Neem appeared, almost as if by magic, and stood in a clearing no more than ten yards ahead of the king. Time stood still. It was customary for the king to take the first shot, so the other nobles knocked their arrows, but did not draw. The king, however, made no effort to take his aim. He simply stared "'at the magnificent white hind. "'The doe was more beautiful than he had imagined, "'and for a critical moment, the king was transfixed. "'Then the deer leapt into a thicket, "'and in an instant she was gone. "'The master of hounds let the dogs loose, "'and they tore into the underbrush. "'The dogs quickly picked up the doe scent.' They raced after her, and the woods came alive with the sound of the hunt. The hunters worked their horses hard to maintain a line of sight with the dogs and to cut off any avenue of escape for the doe. For more than an hour, the hunting party pursued the white doe. Then, suddenly, everything went quiet. The dogs lost the hind scent. The retainers made loud noises and poked into thickets with long staves to help the dogs flush out the deer. But they found no sign of the elusive white hind. The king's men were crestfallen. They regrouped and began to discuss whether to continue the hunt or to return to the castle. As the men conversed, the dogs began to bark wildly as they again caught the scent of the doe. The dogs leapt and howled as they raced after her. Soon they converged around a copse at the base of a cliff. There the dogs began to point and bay, signaling that they had cornered their prey. Yet there was no sign of the white hind. The king was the first to grasp what had happened? He smiled as he dismounted and drew his sword. For several minutes he worked to clear away the brambles that concealed the narrow entrance to a cave. Soon the king found the doe's hiding place. He would have his prize after all. The king knocked an arrow and drew his bow. He took his aim into the black interior of the cave, paused to steady his breathing, and then let loose his arrow to fly into the darkness. The whoosh of the arrow was followed by a pained cry. The king smiled, and there were congratulations all round as he made his way into the cave to retrieve the doe. Once inside, he paused for a moment to allow his eyes to adjust to the darkness. Then he recoiled in horror. There, just a few feet ahead, was an elderly man, spindly, with long white hair and a beard, dressed in threadbare rags. He sat, cradling the doe, shielding her from the hunters outside. The king's arrow protruded from deep within his thigh. The old man seemed indifferent to his serious injury. He was more concerned with the welfare of the doe, whom he continued to protect. The king put away his bow. Then he sat down next to the old man. My good man, said the king, you are grievously injured. I must beg your forgiveness. I sought the doe. My men are just outside. Please, allow them to remove the arrow and treat your wounded leg. The old man dismissed the king's suggestion with a wave of his spindly hand. Then he replied, My injury is of no concern. I will join my suffering to Christ's suffering and offer it as a penance. The king asked the old man his name. Giles, replied the old man. The king furrowed his brow. The name seemed distantly familiar. Then the king's eyes lit up with recognition. Could it be? Could it really be the Giles? Giles, the wonder worker, the saintly man of God, who had disappeared from Arl so many years ago? Are you THE Giles, THE famous holy man? asked the king. Giles affirmed the king's suspicion with a nod. The king called for his pages to bring food and wine. Then he turned to Giles. Giles. The king offered Giles some of the food and wine, and Giles gratefully accepted a little of each. Nearby, there was a small, stone-lined pit with a bit of tinder and kindling. The king began to work on a fire. Soon, Giles, the doe, and the king appeared in a flickering contrast of bright light and deep shadow as the flame took hold. A pleasant warmth spread through the cave and the close air was perfumed with the scent of wood smoke. Giles winced with pain and the king helped him to reposition himself. Then the king spoke, "'It is said that many who receive your blessing were healed.' "'Yes,' replied Giles." But you came here of your own accord. You chose to live apart. To abandon your ministry of healing? inquired the king. Giles answered, I never claimed to have any special powers. The healings attributed to me were accomplished through faith and by the power of the Holy Spirit. I sought only to serve. Simply, and humbly through prayer and penance. I grew weary of my fame, and I sought to escape the crowds that followed me everywhere, expecting me to perform miracles. So you came here? asked the king. Giles continued, I fled into the forest where I wandered for days until God sent the still to find me. She led me to this cave, and she has been my constant companion ever since. I will protect her with my life. The king listened patiently. Then he spoke, Dear Giles, I again beg your forgiveness. Please allow my men to bring you back to my castle, so my physician may remove the arrow please don't concern yourself on my account replied the holy hermit i am happy to suffer on behalf of the world and in any event i am well prepared for death the king realized that giles honestly wished to be left to his prayers so he reluctantly left giles and the mysterious white doe to their life of penance and contemplation the king was moved by his conversation with giles he began to reflect on the virtues of simplicity and humility as well as on the dangers of wealth and fame before long the king was a changed man He no longer worried about worldly vanities like hunting trophies and turned his attention instead to just rule, caring for the poor and spreading the gospel. For his part, Giles broke off the shaft of the arrow. He lived for several more years, though the broken arrow in his thigh gave him constant pain and left him with a limp. These travails he accepted gladly, offering up his suffering as reparation for the sins of the world, until the Lord finally called him home. Tradition holds that, after the death of saintly Giles, the mysterious white hind was no longer seen in the forest of Nimes. You just listened to... The Hunting Party, by Christopher Ribold. Read to you by your door-to-door storyteller, Julian Bartko. Thank you for listening. Used by We Are One Body Audio Theater, with the permission of the licensor. Granted under a copyrighted license agreement. A production of We Are One Body Audio Theater.